This is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Kyle Bird, and with me is my co-host. Everybody, it's Matt, and and Bird just, just stole the show. He's like, this is my show, I'm the host. I say that all the time. I say I'm your host, and this is my co-host. Co-host implies that like we're we're like in it together. I'm just messing with you more you than anything. It's been a long week, man. Has it has it been a long week for you? Uh, my week has not, been long. Not too much. The days have been kind of long, but I think overall the week has gone by at a, a fair pace. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the me counting down the days until we get nuked by like North Korea, well, or yeah. something. But I, I don't know. Could be. Well, yeah, that's gonna happen anyway. Of course. Um. So, uh, this this is our Mother's Day special. Happy Mother's Day! Yeah, Happy All Mother's the moms Day. That may or may not listen. Hi, mom. You ever wanted to wave like I'm waving at my mic? Hi, mom. You can't see it, but I am. It's true. Well, Trev's mom liked us on Facebook, so that's pretty awesome. You know, so if she's listening, hi, uh, hi, hi, Robin, who's my my mother-in-law. She actually, my mother-in-law listens to about every episode. Really? Uh, yeah, she does. Is she a fan? Does she love it? She uh, she usually like will say something about one of our episodes or like she'll tell me that she listened to our, our our most recent episode and she tells Sarah that all the time which is pretty uh pretty cool and then and then uh, Sarah's sister is because her mother is listening to the episode is also listening to the episode now are they are they watching these movies like we're telling them to yeah I don't I don't think so uh-huh. I don't think that's ever gonna ever gonna happen yeah trev was like trev was pretty pretty confident that his mom was just being like an old person on facebook and didn't know what was happening and somehow managed to click the like button but you know what it's another like i won't i won't you know i'm not gonna get in the way of that yeah man it's uh mother mother's day speaking of which if you haven't liked us on facebook please do you can follow us on Twitter at KT underscore podcast, and you can send us some uh, emails at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Also, feel free to go onto iTunes and leave us a positive or negative review. Um, we will welcome any anything that the people have to say to us. I, uh, I love how <laughs> I say something about Mother's Day, and you're just like, oh, yeah, make sure you like us on Facebook as if Mother's – the whole reason we're doing this podcast is for Mothers, and you're just like – well, I, I was, you know, I, I, I just had to get, I had to purge that from my system. Now we can go on. We will be talking about several movies involving monster mothers and families. Uh, and before we talk about, you know, mothers in these particular movies, there's a couple pieces of news that I think uh, are worth about two minutes of our time per item, if that. Um, the first... I want to mention that I am rather excited to hear that Jeff Goldblum has been cast to reprise his role as Ian Malcolm in Jurassic World 2. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how anybody could not be excited to see the uh, Brundlefly get cast in J- in Jurassic World 2. And By the a, way, I just rewatched The Fly. That oh, movie the, is amazing. Yeah, that's one of that's a top, one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, um, mine too, actually. But no, I've been saying since the first Jurassic World 
which I, I'm 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 uneven on. I, I, I love it. Shut up. I love it. All right, all right. Well, you know what? We're not gonna get too bogged down in that talk. But I I kept saying it would be amazing to get Jeff Goldblum back because it, think about it. At this point, he well he came back for part two, but then Sam Neill uh, and Laura Dern came back for part three. And then all this time goes by, and I think if there's anyone that can inject a little more life into it, it's Goldblum and Ian oh, Malcolm. For sure. Yeah. So if you're not excited about that, there's probably something wrong with you. Even if even if you hate a Jurassic World and not, aren't really looking forward to the second one, this has to kind of perk your ears up a little bit, right? It has to. I mean, maybe you're just not a fan of like the Dino Rider stuff that they're be, <laughs> that they're be, <laughs> they're like they're rumored to be doing. Which uh, Dino Riders, you know, they had like dinosaurs with. Well, they were lasers, but in this one, we're we're here. We're hearing rumors of like dinosaurs with machine guns and round raptors and crazy stuff like that. I wish they. I can't do, wait. It's going to be glorious. I, I wish they would just do uh, dinosaurs infiltrating a big city, and just have it like on a huge. Yeah, that'd be fun. But they kind of. They kind of already did that, right? With uh, Lost World. I mean, sort of. I mean, you had one dinosaur rescuing a smaller dinosaur. I mean, I want like. All kinds of dinosaurs running loose in like New York or something. A plethora of making yeah, the I most expensive that. epic dinosaur movie ever. Do it. Anyway, um, well, hopefully, and uh, we forgot to mention they're bringing back practical effects. Apparently, uh, I'll believe it when I see Did it. You hear they, this? Sa- they, they said that about the first one, and there's like two shots of practical in the first one. Well, I wanted to talk about the minor news of a project that probably won't happen uh, because, and I was saying, because nothing with King Kong can be simple. Um, They're trying to get a TV show off the ground that would have a female lead, which is cool and different, Um, but it's, it's get ready to be confused again. Uh, so the O'Brien family, since they only retain the print rights, they've been trying for years to, you know, make money off of the King Kong, uh, name, which is fine. You know, it's the, the, I'm sorry, I said O'Brien. I mean the Marion C. Cooper estate, because Cooper created King Kong. The Cooper estate has been trying to make money off of Kong for a long time, which has been difficult because they only have the print rights, because everything else was sold to Universal. So... This show would be based on the novelization. Now, the novelization was public domain, so the Cooper estate took the novelization and rewrote it with new elements based on the prequel book that they put out. And then they they uh, they own the rights to that, and since the show would be an adaptation of that, they can make it legally and without any problems. Are you following me? I am. No, you're not. Um, I, no, I remember this whole discussion because <laughs> of the uh, awesomeness that was Kong 76. Yeah. So so because it's an adaptation of the print, a print source, they would be able to make money off of it. Now, anytime the Cooper estate tries to make a Kong thing, it doesn't work. And uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. But... I don't know, a Kong show, I guess, with the proper budget. On a TV budget, I don't know how much you can do <laughs> with King Kong. I'm not against the idea. The, the idea that it's female-led is kind of cool. 
I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I mean, I, it, it's going to fall through. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have much. I mean, <laughs> I don't have much hope for it. Uh, I believe it. It's it's like uh, Del Toro's films. I believe it when I see it in theaters. Yeah. They, that's. <laughs> now uh, we had a group discussion earlier with some of our friends about the new Ultraman series. Ultraman. I don't know if it's pronounced Geed or Jeed. It's G. It's G E E D. And you were you were suspiciously silent, Matt. Suspiciously silent. I mean, I haven't. Okay, first of all, I don't. I don't know that anybody. I think Eric is probably the biggest Ultraman, Ultra fan, Ultraman fan. I don't know, Ultra fan, whatever. Uh, of the people that have been on the show so far, I like. I love actually the first series. The first Ultraman series. Ultra Q is pretty good. I'm making well, my way to Ultra I mean, 7. Everyone likes the old stuff. We're talking the new stuff here. Well, I was getting there. I was getting there. But I, I watched like half of Ultraman X and kind of stopped. It, it, it just – it's not – for me, it's not terrible. I did, never got to Ultraman Orb. And the new thing like uh, – I, I don't know. Like the idea of, of Ultraman merging with monsters is kind of interesting. But it sounds like – the whole gimmicky thing from Ultraman Orb where, like, they can merge with other Ultraman and, like, that's kind of what the whole premise was. They could they could take the, the moves and the abilities from the other Ultras and basically make them their own. And so it's kind of taking that a step further and making it with monsters. So I, I, right, I like know. the monsters can merge, right? Is I don't that... know. I don't know what it is. I don't really – I mean, it's – the last cool show that, I, that I've seen, honestly, uh, was Ultra Galaxy. I love that show. See, I the last one I watched and really liked was Max. You didn't like Ultra Galaxy? What's wrong with I you? never watched the show. I've only seen the movie. Okay, well, the show is amazing, especially because it's all about the monsters. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll check it out at some point in my life. <laughs> there's just so much of this. There's so much of this crap that it's, like, impossible. I don't understand how anyone watches all of it, but... Um, for me, it was after Max, that's kind of when Bandai really started to take over Subaraya, and, you know, that's when you get stuff like, is it X, where they literally talk to Bandai toys? Or is that Giga? Yeah, no, or... that, that, no that literally happens in X. I, know, I don't know if it happens in the other ones, but I know it happens in X. Like, literally, there's a talking... Like they they talked he talks to Gomer. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it it was it's like it's it was so crass and so like I couldn't stomach it. So um, I don't know. I, I I like the idea that ultra the Ultraman in this series is the son of the evil Ultraman Belial. And I mean, there's there's fodder for a good story there, but uh, who knows? I mean, they in the, they they've really kind of veered off from like the all ages audience and gearing the shows more towards like five to ten year olds um well maybe they have to yeah yeah, i mean i'm sure they have to i'm sure that's what sells toys and i'm sure that's what you know keeps the light on but you know it also means i'm moving further and further away from the target demographic but whatevs man um so uh this is going to be uh, on Mother's Day. Now, Matt, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, okay, well, I, I don't really believe in astrology and stuff, but I am a Cancer. And it is said that we are very, very uh, big mama's boys. And I will fully admit, I am a mama's boy, Matt. 
I love my mama. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I am too. Um, my mama's boy into cancer, but I don't, I don't do the whole astrology thing, but, <laughs> but, the, but, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure we both have stories. One story that comes to mind for me is I, I had, I don't remember if I was really like sick or if I had just been coming off like a surgery, my, uh, my childhood was plagued with, uh, with a few surgeries. And I remember the week before this all happened, we went to our local comic book store and I bought some of the uh, Godzilla Chromium cards, which they were imported directly from Japan at the time. This was like late 90s, right around the time, 98. It was like uh, right got... before. I remember those. It was like right before the 98 movie. Yeah. So right before that was coming out, um, I bought a couple packs and I didn't have enough money for my allowance or whatever that week to to buy them all. And I was sad about that. But then. I either got hurt or had a surgery planned or something, and my mom um, felt so terrible for me because it went so poorly that she went and bought the rest of the box, which was the only <laughs> box they had, um, and she brought them home for me. And actually, I still have those cards. Uh, they're they're actually down here in my basement. I have a little box full of stuff, and I will always hold those uh, cards in fond memory just just because of that, I mean, they mean a lot to me just because my mom went out of her way to do something to make me feel better. Plus, like, my mom got me my first Godzilla figure, which was the Imperial Godzilla. I think it's technically supposed to be Godzilla 1985, uh, which I still have. And uh, they, I remember one year, you know, my parents were always very supportive of my, my nerdy hobbies. So, like, I used to get Dino Riders toys for Christmas and... Uh, did you? There was like this walking Godzilla toy, but it wasn't really Godzilla. That, like was, walked on logs that like had smoke that came out of his mouth when you put oil in the top. Yeah, it was you remember uh, this? Big Rex. Yeah, big man, Rex, I right. had that. Uh, so like all this stuff was encouraged uh, by by my well, really both my parents. But I just remember the the card story and the Imperial Godzilla story the most because those were were mother specific. Yeah, uh, I'm really in the same boat. Uh, I mean, I've talked couple times about um some of this stuff but uh i was raised by a single mother and in the daytime i stayed in the suburbs with my grandparents and in the evenings i'd spend the evenings with my mom at her place in detroit and uh, both my mom and my grandparents were always very supportive of my hobbies um shout out to my grandmother god rest her her soul um She's the one that, uh, she made me a Godzilla birthday cake, um, when the Ian Thorne book was being checked out of our local library, like, once a month, she photocopied and laminated the whole thing, um, and then my mom, uh, I've told, I've said this before, but, uh, like you, my mom, knowing my dinosaur obsession, she got me the uh, Imperial Godzilla and King Kong figures, and that's what kind of is responsible for all of this. She got me the Godzilla bubble blower. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of similar to your story about the cards, although I know, I still, to this day, I've never had to have surgery or have any, I've never had any serious medical problems, knock on wood. Um, but, uh, you know, any time I had to go through, like, a, a difficult uh, doctor's appointment or, or something like that, you know, my mom would take me to the comic store, and I remember uh, I was seeing, like, um, like a, 
a neurologist or something. I don't remember who I was seeing, but it was after I had an appointment with someone. And afterwards, my mom took me to the comic store, and I got the black and white Dark Horse Godzilla special with the Steve Bissett yeah, art. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, I've told this story on our collecting episode, but it's a story I enjoy telling, and if you didn't listen to that episode, I'm going to kind of repeat it here. But, um, you know, when I was younger, when I was first getting into Godzilla, my my best friend in elementary school always used to tell me that you know he's seen you know godzilla and rodan and mothra figures at different shops and stuff and i never believed him and i told my mom that and she went to the comic store that he said they had them and they didn't but she asked apparently and um back then if you were a toy collector or something you had to get these like little kind of like trades these these publications these magazines that are just like ads they're like the car ones you see in like uh like restaurant lobbies um and uh she got one of those without my knowledge and on my eighth birthday uh where i went and saw jurassic park and like immediately had like a new favorite movie and got all the jurassic park toys uh when i Finished opening up all my presents, she went up into our attic and brought down a giant box, and inside were a ton of Japanese Bandai Godzilla figures that I had no idea even existed. So I had, geez, what was in there? Megalon, I had Mechagodzilla, I had uh, Mothra, Minya, Gigan, uh, Ghidorah, which I didn't even know there was a Ghidorah at the time. So my mind was blown. Uh, also, my mom, when I was... Uh, a kid, she's the one that was taking me to G-Fest, back then called G-Con. She took me to the first one that was open to the public, which was 96. Uh, she took me the following year in 97, and then when G-Fan split and renamed it G-Fest, um, Kaiju Fan Magazine came out of that like split with G-Fan, and they did G-Con in New York, and I went to that one in 99. Uh, and it was just like... I, and I, I mean, my mom, she's not like into this stuff, but even she like was into it. She was having a lot of fun. She really enjoyed the Japanese guests. Like she loved Satsuma and Nakajima, and who doesn't? But um, yeah, you know, she was always supportive and always going out of her way to to really make sure I was getting a lot out of my hobbies. Yeah, man, those are. Uh those are great stories and I'm, I'm glad that, and I, I would, I would be remiss if, uh, I didn't mention my wife. Um, who is a mother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we do have a, we have a, uh, a three-year-old son who loves monsters. In fact, today we watched, uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, the 93 film. And he loves my Godzilla toys. He plays with them. He has his own little collection kind of going and, um, he's broken a few of my figures. So that, that's always, uh, both terrifying and <laughs> learning experience. But, um, you know, my wife has been encouraging of the podcast. She's watched some of the, the films with me and, you know, she's actually legitimately enjoyed a few. Like she loves, she likes Violante. Um, she loves the, the first film, the, you know, the, the original, she also watched monster zero, which she really enjoyed. And then like, we'll watch some other just kind of off the wall, um, science fiction films and she's a sucker for old movies. So like we can kind of sit back and just, you know, make fun of them our, a, a little bit ourselves and have a good time with it. But she's always been very encouraging of my hobbies, uh, even though they're not for her and, and she tolerates them probably more than anything else. She's, she's very 
encouraging of it. Plus, she lets me share them with my son, which um, is really important to me. So, you know, I I can't thank her enough for that. So shout out to her. Um, She's not worried that you're going to, like, turn him into some colossal nerd? Uh, I mean, we're both – my wife and I are both pretty nerdy. Um, The other thing that she did too was she she allowed me to take a vacation and go to Phantom Fest and meet the Godzilla suit actors. And she came with me. So, I mean, yeah. Now, how did did she like it as just – you know, as just like a – more of like your average Joe just going. Like how how did she like it as someone who's not like super absorbed into that culture? It was fun for her actually. Like we had a lot of fun just taking pictures and seeing all the crazy cosplayers and uh, met met some of the, the both InSync and Backstreet Boys, which was hilarious. <laughs> like took some pictures with them on the elevator. They were like drunk out of their minds, and we were hearing some all kinds of crazy stories. Um, they we were at a uh, we were actually sitting at the the hotel bar. Um, we were just having like a drink with, with Eric and they were sitting directly, um, behind us and, and just, it was, t- they were just telling crazy stories about some of the stuff that would, was happening. Typically with other women, it was just <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny stuff. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was a blast to, to go with her to see all the, uh, the cosplayers at, at Phantom Fest and meet the Godzilla suit actors and, and just kind of hang out with my wife and, and show her what my hobby's all about. Yeah. Um, and she was a trooper, you know, it's not something that she was always for, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how my girlfriend is and how she was at G Fest last year. You know, she, she's into it like, you know, but you, I can't like sit down and like marathon these with her, you know, it's like, she'll enjoy one here and there. Uh, and you know, I mean, she loves some of, she loves like Mothra. She really liked Monster Zero, uh, the original movie, um, uh, but uh and she's also a mom which is why i bring her up um it's uh oh yeah <laughs> i do want to say um when the 98 movie came out i saw it a few times actually uh i saw it with my my middle school best friend and then um uh my mom uh, ended up seeing it with me and I, I think she like I mean she would watch them every now and then or like she'd come in the room she knew what a Godzilla movie was and I remember after we saw that she was just like did you like that she was like that that's she's like that didn't seem very Godzilla to me and I was just like mom like you have no idea because at that point I'd been reading the G fans and like I it was the beginning of the internet so I was kind of like seeing the fan reaction I was just like mom you have no idea <laughs> the weight of the question you're asking. <laughs> Um, and when the 2014 movie came out, she actually asked me to bring it over and she was like, yeah, let's watch a movie. And she was like, bring the new Godzilla. I'd, I'd like to to see that. And we watched it and the whole time she was just like, see, this is more like what I thought the other one was going to be. She kept saying the last one, but I knew she actually meant the 98 one. And I was like, yeah, again, you, you kind of have your finger on the pulse here without knowing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> So we uh, we have a few movies that we meticulously handpicked, isn't that right, Matt? Uh, two of the three were were handpicked. The third one was like I don't know what happened. I just agreed to watch it, and it was a mistake. <laughs> no, it, it was like a last minute thing. I was just like, 
I've never seen this. Let's watch this. <laughs> and we were, and I don't know why we thought that was an okay thing to do, but uh, so we're talking about uh, a few m- movies that are very uh, uh, monster family centric, and with monster mothers. Um, you know, we're we're dumb, which I mean, we know that, but like. Uh, when when we told uh, our friend Trevor, who's been on this show a few times, when we were like, "Yeah, we're doing a Mother's Day thing," he was like, "Oh, you're doing a you're doing Mothra's Day, right?" And we were like, "What?" And he's like, "Mothra, like you know, Mothra's Day. You're doing a Mothra episode, right?" And we were like, "No." And he was like, oh, "What are you doing then?" <laughs> so yeah, but like every everybody does Mothra's Day. That's like not a, that's a true. new thing. I feel like that's uh, I that's know that's not... true, but you know it's. It's predictable, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll put Mothra in the back pocket for next year because that is a good match for the occasion. However, we are going to be talking about uh, um, Gorgo, the original angry monster mom, uh, the nineteen sixty seven Japanese movie Gappa. And, uh, for some reason, uh, the 1998 straight-to-TV, uh, I guess, cash-in on the 1998 Godzilla, which was called Gargantua, resembling more of Gorgo than, than Godzilla. But, of course, shout-out to Mothra, who is the most important kaiju mom, I believe, um yeah there's no question about that and you know we've we've had plenty of uh of similar things over the years uh not just mothra but um uh look at like uh well we mentioned earlier uh jurassic park 2 the lost world which the end is pretty much a straight remake of of homage to gorgo with the t-rex mom and the baby dinosaur um and uh oh you know what I actually did rewatch that I said I was going to try to do was Baby the 1985 movie It's not very good <laughs> did you, Wait did you actually rewatch that I did. already I I don't remember it I I was like somewhere between like 5 and 8 when I saw that So Baby Secret of the Lost Legend is a 1985 like kids movie about these two paleontologists who are in Africa and they find uh, a family of brontosaurus and uh it's not that good <laughs> it, it it was it's very strange like 80s kids movies where like there's stuff it's clearly a kids movie but like it it also has like uh some like really violent moments like the the ongoing joke is like the baby brontosaurus keeps cock blocking the guy when him and the the girl are gonna like start doing it. There's one <laughs> part where like they even like start to like bang in front of the brontosaurus and the the dinosaur just like walks away. It's like what's happening? Uh, yeah, it's not. So like uh, many children's family movies of the '80s, it's tonally confused. I would say. That's fair. The brontosaurus effects aren't terrible, but uh, they're not great. But I like them because it's something like 
I think it's mostly uh, like two guys in a suit and then like wire work with like the long neck and an animatronic head. And I don't know, those that's like a, a weird way to bring a creature to life that I haven't seen a whole lot. So on a visual level, it was it was kind of cool, but no, nah, it didn't hold up. And when I was a kid, I watched that movie like a hundred times. It was the first time I saw it since I was six. But I'm not I'm not upset that I watched it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Um. So uh, I guess I guess we'll we'll start just uh, chronologically. Um, 1961 is the movie Gorgo. Now I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, uh, Matt, this is one that I know you said it didn't hold up when you just watched it. Is this one that you did watch as a kid a lot, or is this one that you never really? I watched it a I watched it a handful of times. Um, it was okay. Like I wasn't in love with it or anything. Okay, okay. Um, Gorgo is an interesting case because it's it, it's a movie that happened so early. Um, people know the origins of kind of giant monster movies from The Lost World through King Kong to Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms to the Toho stuff. Um, now for 1961, Gorgo is really the first non-Japanese movie like this to really use the the more the the men in the suits and the elaborate miniatures and really take a lot of that style. Um, and uh, and uh, the the backstory is kind of interesting too. Um, and it's directed by Eugene Laurier, who uh, was a gr- one of the great art directors of you know the the you know forties and fifties. Um, and he only directed a handful of movies, and but that includes um, the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms and the Giant Behemoth, the Willis O'Brien movie. Uh, now, apparently, the story goes when he took his young daughter to see the uh, some say the. 20,000 Fathoms, some say the giant behemoth, um, but most sources say 20,000 Fathoms. His daughter cried at the end because the monster got killed, and she was like, mm. <laughs> and she was like, Daddy, you were bad. Why did you have to kill the monster? And he said, you know, one day I'll make a movie where the monster doesn't die. Um, and then after the giant behemoth, um, which was uh, late 50s, he was approached by the King brothers who were these kind of low budget movie producers and they asked him to make another dinosaur movie. And then that's where he said, you know, I'll, I'll make this movie, a movie that he, he basically said, I'll make, I'll make, uh, what I'll make the beast from 20,000 fathoms, but like for, as a kid's movie. And uh, so that's where you get the sweet relationship with the, 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 mother monster coming to rescue the baby and also with you know one of the main characters being a child and you know driving the plot in a lot of ways um and i I really have to wonder because this movie oddly enough this movie opened in japan before it opened anywhere else and it was a huge hit in japan um so i i really have to wonder if maybe uh maybe yuasa kind of looked at this as a uh, kind of 
an influence in incorporating children into the Gamma series? I don't know. That's just a personal speculation. But um, uh, but you you do see a lot of things that um would end up in in later kaiju movies. The the real emphasis on on the uh, the greedy entrepreneurs, and this does predate Mothra as well. Uh, Mothra came out later in the same year. Um, uh, and, uh, excuse me, my sinuses are, like, killing me today. Um, so, uh, it it really kind of put into place some of the tropes that, um, we, we kind of still see to this day. Um, and, and certain imagery from Gorgo has kind of just become iconic and part of the genre as a whole. I mean, even looking at something like Gamera the Brave, where, you know, Gamera is, or Toto, I'm sorry, is tied up to that truck and driving through the city. Like, that's a shot straight out of Gorgo. Um, yep. <laughs> literally out of Gorgo. Uh, we, ta- we already talked about um, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, which, I mean, Spielberg is, would be the first to tell you, yes, that's a homage to Gorgo. Um, and then, uh, you talked about Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 93, which is, again, Godzilla coming to rescue the baby, and just the shot of them walking into the ocean at the end is, again, lifted straight from Gorgo. So, um, uh, I mean, leaving out uh, opinions of the movie aside, it's a movie that really has its place and really did and continues to be a source of influence or something that informs other movies in this, this genre. Um, and, uh, the, the, the Japan connection doesn't just end at, uh, it opening in Japan before anywhere else or anything like that. It was originally actually going to be a co-production with the Japanese. Um, but the Japanese, uh, side of the funding fell through. Um, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, that never happens, right? Yeah. Well, I guess usually it's the Japanese. It's the opposite yeah, it's, way. It's usually, usually though. the Japanese that gets get left in the dirt, and then have to pick up the slack and fund everything, and uh, and then after that they were like, "Well, we can't set it in Japan anymore." And then they uh, they wanted to do France, but then they realized Paris is like miles and miles inland, so it's not like you, a monster can't just walk up the shore and destroy the city so then they moved it to uh britain and uh i know laurier had some pretty big disagreements with the king brothers as well um they they had him uh rewrite the script to include those greedy kind of entrepreneur type characters at first uh it was a little bit more humanistic on the human side with the the characters that find gorgo being like uh you know, pearl divers or something like that. And they were like, no, we need to drive it by, they need to be driven by greed. And then, uh, also Laurier, again, trying to make a kid friendly monster movie. He didn't want to show the monsters really get hurt or anything. And so he was really opposed to military battle with the creatures. Um, and, uh, to combat that, he was just like, all right, well, the monster just won't get hurt by missiles or artillery or anything. Um, so, so that's Gorgo, and it was a huge hit here, and it was a huge hit in Japan as well, 
Um, and I had the pleasure of revisiting it for this podcast. However, uh, I'm not sure Matt would agree with that. So, uh, onto the review portion, I'll, I'll kind of let Matt run away with that. Um, overall, how, how did Gorgo fare on, on this revisit? I mean, it's, it's definitely not the worst film ever made. I just, Okay, the movie is an hour and 20 minutes long, mm-hmm. and it felt every bit of two hours to me. It really did. I, I was bored um, throughout most of it. Now, now let me – I'll give you the negative stuff first, and then I'll give you the stuff I liked because I don't want to go out like with the uh, – on, on a negative note. Okay. But You're not going to be the, the villain on this one. I mean I, I will be because I'm sure my rating will be <laughs> far less than yours, but – um, uh, as far as, I, I, okay, first of all, the, the characters all felt very generic. Um, didn't really care about anybody in, in the, in the entire movie. Honestly, the kid is probably the most likable character. You know, that he, he, he ends up being a stowaway, um, ends up going to, what was it end up being England, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like he's always he's there to basically try to convince everybody, hey, we shouldn't be a we shouldn't have kidnapped um, the the baby, and then b you should return him back to the parent, the mother, and nobody wants to listen to him. Of course, in these films, much like the Gamera films, uh, the kid's always right. <laughs> you should always listen to the child. Uh, well, here, here's how it's different from the Gamera movies. In this movie, the kid talk tries to convince them one thing, and they shut him down. In the Gamera movies, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know what? That like <laughs> six year old kid is right." <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is true. Um, I, I don't know. Like the, you, you have the the two main the, the the guys plagued by greed. Like they don't. <laughs> there's parts where like their like their entire operation to capture. The child, it, it, or the child, you know, captured baby Gorgo. Basically, um, they lose people and they talk about it, and like it, they're never affected. And then <laughs> they once they initially, they don't care. <laughs> and then like, and then like once they get Gorgo to England, and they they try to get him in like the, this enclosure which they built. Uh, Gorgo like tail whips this guy, which is a terrible effect, by the way. But like he he, I laughed during that part. He like tail whips this guy, and the guy dies. And they don't care about that either. Well, one guy cares. The other guy's like, eh, it's fine. We're going to send his family money. <laughs> like, that's the whole conversation. Um, I, it's hard to buy them as almost villains, though, because they're so apathetic to me, I guess. Like, yeah, they're supposed I'm, to play. Is that, that's probably my main, my main problem. You're, they you're don't. not wrong. Because they're not like. They're not as scummy as, like, uh, Torahata and Godzilla versus Mothra. Yeah, that's, you know, that's they're just kind of like, hey, here's a thing, uh, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> they they just seem very like, they don't seem very concerned one way or the other. <laughs> like, yeah, people are dying. It's fine. We could die. It could be fine. Like, they don't. They seem very nihilistic almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, the, the characters kind of suck. Um, there's a lot of. Intersplice, and I and I get it. This movie was probably made for pennies. I was actually curious, Bird, if you knew what the budget was, comparatively speaking. Um, the budget was 
for a King Brothers movie, it was pretty big. The budget was, well, keep in mind, budgets change over time, and uh, it had about the same budget as the original King Kong. Now, before you freak out about that, remember, there's, like, King Kong is in the Great Depression, and just keep in mind how the value of money changes over time. Yeah. Um, so it was still pretty cheap. Um, for, a, for a production by these producers, it was the most expensive thing that they'd done, but they were mostly doing, like, dramas and, you know, these talky movies. So... Um, I can't give you an exact number, but it, it was a it was a pretty low budget, especially once um, you know Japanese uh, co funding didn't work out. Yeah, because like this this movie relies a lot on uh, basically war footage. So when Gorgo is making his way to the city, or making her way, I should say, uh, to the city, there's like a naval attack, and the naval attack is is all either World War II or early sixties fifties british naval fleet footage now it is cut into the movie pretty well but there are times when like the movie goes from night to day multiple times that's i I feel like that (laughs) well i i I feel like um because like the original godzilla movie kind of does that like when they're showing like the the depth charges and stuff so I wonder if this movie was I, I was in black and white, maybe that wouldn't stick out as much. Because I feel yeah. like that's kind of a, a common thing in a lot of these old monster movies is like the military stock footage always being used. But you're right, like um, it, it just it, feels like an over reliance. It's not yeah. that it's, it's it's like a bad thing. I mean, Godzilla movies have stock footage. We all know that. So it, it feels like a very large over reliance. And you have like, um, and I will give you credit. We talked about this kind of. Um, before the podcast and I was kind of blasting the film for having like, you know, there's really a lot of superimposed explosions. Like instead of having the typical traditional Tokusatsu where they have, you know, missiles and rockets blowing up and explosions and stuff, there's a lot of superimposed explosions, which kind of annoyed me. And then I forgot it was made in 61. So yeah, it's kind of, it's doing something different and new. So I don't have a problem with most of the effects Aside from the fact there's a couple scenes where, like, they literally use the same exact building falling over what feels like six times. And it's, 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 it really was kind of distracting because I don't remember a Godzilla film. You know, even ones like Godzilla's Revenge, which are pieced together from previous films, like using the exact same scene multiple times in the same movie. They do things right? like that a couple times, but I, the shot you're thinking of, I think I know the one you're talking about. And I think... Because I just watched it a couple days ago. I think that one's repeated once, but there's another shot that might not be the one you're talking about that I noticed they repeated like three three times, maybe. Yeah, it's and like, it's, it's it's the one of him like walking. He's like wa- she. Well, she she's like walking through a building. That, like, we're we're very great at being sexist on this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but uh, yeah, the mom monster is walking through a building that maybe goes up to like her hips, and and they kind of recycle the same like like a uh, waist down shot of her like wading through the building. And that, that, that was starting to, to bother me. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's basically the, the movie itself is probably like me on this podcast. It's just kind of boring. Um, I, I don't, uh, it's, it's just a very boring blase fair by the numbers, which sucks because the stuff that I do like about the film, I love Orga, like the, or, uh, Orga, the, the, the monster, basically Gorgo, they call it, 
Gorgo as an advertising thing. The monster is called uh, Orgra. Excuse me, was the baby's name? Is what they was what they call it? The the baby is Gorgo. The mother is Ogra. That's not what they say in the film, though. Well, in the movie, they don't really assign a name to the mother. They, the, they, kid, the kid, uh, the kid assigns a name to the baby. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the kid oh, just says Orgra, there's a, an ancient sea serpent named Ogra. And then they bring the baby to the city and call it Gorgo. But then I don't know if maybe it was in the script or a novelization or just within the fandom. It's kind of been adopted in the vernacular that the baby's Gorgo and Ogra's the mother. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Um, But either way, I like Gorgo better because Gorgo is like easier to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a less awkward name. But, but anyway, I, I am with you. Uh, Gorgo is honestly a, a great design. I am sad that it's not part of the Godzilla lore. Like this is an awesome looking monster. Mass, like it's just got, it's very menacing. Massive, huge hands. It, the, it's, the big it's like ear, the like fin like ears. I really like. And um, I think it's well – first of all, I think the suits are fantastic. They um, are. And I, I think – and I, I like the – I guess the, the head was like a kind of animatronic that was powered hydraulically. And, um, you know, they I thought they did a really good job of like, you know, moving the ears and, the, and giving expression to the eyes and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the – even like the giant like head – prop that like comes out of the water like wiggles its ears and stuff it's and um I, and I, one thing I, I like about this movie is it was shot really well so like the nighttime sequences and you know seeing the suit and the miniatures and the matte paintings all together it just looks really awesome it's, it's nice to it's good to look at it's a visually good looking movie i think yeah there's some there's some cool um set pieces like the bridge scene's pretty nice well yeah the, uh, think, the bridge big ben, i'm assuming that's big ben yeah the the big ben I, I mean that's like an iconic scene but uh yeah i i think the effects are really good um and uh the uh the effects artist was um tom howard who uh is like one of like the the best of that era um i mean to give you an idea of other things he's done um uh, he did the effects for um, Thief of Baghdad, The Haunting, and uh, uh, Kubrick's 2001. Um, so he's, you know, he, he wasn't a slouch. Yeah, it's, I, I was going to say, the, the other thing I liked was kind of the meta, the, the meta humor when he when like Gorgo destroys the sign that says Gorgo on it. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty clever. Um, the Piccadilly Circus set is great, too. Like, it, this like the... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Like, um, it's, it's the, like, Times Square-looking look, kind of cityscape, and that that's the scene you're talking about when he, like, she brings down the sign that says Gorgo. Um... Man, we suck. I keep saying he. I know it's it, it's because there's so few female monsters. Is that's honestly it? Like uh, Mothra, I, I don't struggle with. I don't think. Yeah, Violante. Violante, I don't really struggle with. But we, it's not out yet. But we we did a commentary for Mega Giras, and we were doing the same thing. Same exact freaking thing. Yeah. Um, 
But no, uh, uh, so yeah, for me, um, when I rewatched it, I see boring is a criticism of any movie that like, I can't really be like, well, have you considered this? Because that's such a like, that's like the most boring and fun are like the two most subjective things you can say about any movie. Um, so I can't. I feel like the characters are dull. The the, the monster stuff is fine. The, the characters don't have much life. Yeah. And see, for me, I, I, I definitely recognize that, but I I, I just like the, how the movie unfolds. Um, it starts in, uh, you know, the Irish islands, and it's almost like a Nessie-type folktale among the locals, and then it turns into no, there actually is a monster, and then they capture the monster, and then it's like, oh, wait, that's actually the baby. There's an even bigger one. And I, I think that those plot beats are spaced out relatively well. I, th- I think you're onto something in the, the character stuff. While not the most exciting, I think it's short enough between all the big moments that I never personally find that it drags. It's almost like if each scene had lasted maybe two more minutes... I feel like I would probably fall more in your camp, but for me, I just i i I thought it was the I thought the human scenes glued the monster stuff together enough that uh, it never felt I was spending too much time on it, and so I was easily brought to another set piece. And I love all the big effect scenes in this movie, so I think that's where I think that's where our mileage differs a little. The other thing I noticed, and it appears to me, maybe if you rewatch it again at some point, you'll 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 look at this. It it appears to me that they superimpose the same flames a lot, like the exact same formation of flames from the from the flamethrowers when, when they're like corralling the monsters, and also when uh, Gorgo was walking through the initial like coming ashore essentially, and they like light the bay on fire or whatever. Um, it looks like the exact same shot over and over again. And that like that kind of stuff, I don't know, now that I'm watching more of these movies, um, it's easy to pick up on and it sort of bothers me because it feels, it doesn't just feel cheap, it almost feels lazy. That's kind of how I feel, and I don't want anyone to say this the wrong way, but that's kind of how I feel. I don't necessarily agree with you in terms of Gorgo, but that's kind of how I feel when I watch like a, an old Gamera movie or a Yongari, and I just see, instead of like a cool animated beam, it's just like, no, the monster literally has a flamethrower in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that was like, a, but I think that's more genuine of an effect, I guess, because they're actually trying to, to do something that's realistic, whereas like this one, it's literally the same exact bay of flames on your screen, no matter what time they're using it in the movie. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not joking. Like it's literally this, it, it's the same. And it just, it just feels kind of, and, and again, I, I get, I, I give, I'm trying to be uh, consistent. I give Godzilla films breaks because of their stock footage usage. usage. But really the, this film's biggest problem for me is I find it atrociously boring for most of it. Yeah. And I love, I love the monster design, but well, I mean, um, I was just talking it, about how, like, for this genre, this is a, not the first color movie, but one of the first. And like I said, it's a really great movie to look at. Uh, the director was one of the best art directors in movies at the time. And it shows, especially, like, the nighttime sequences, the lighting, the photography is all great. The effects are great. So, at least for me, you're making sense because... 
like for example, like when they recycle a couple shots of destruction or or whatever, for me the re- the rest of the scene is so good that you don't need it. You don't need to recycle the shots because everything in the scene is good. So I don't know. It's very strange, and I, and I know. I mean, talking about old movies is kind of difficult. Like I always bring up on the Mighty Joe Young commentary. There's a part where Harryhausen uh, talks about how you can see the little pegs that Joe's legs like plug into for animating <laughs> him, and and Harryhausen's just like you know, back, like someone else on the commentary is like, I notice that every time, right? And he's like, well, keep in mind these movies were only meant to be seen once back then, you know, so. Um, but uh, but no, that I, it bothers me because the rest of it is so good. There's no need to recycle footage because it all is good. It yeah. it, it you know, but that's just how I view it. Um, so it's not an unreasonable criticism, I don't think. Um, I think we I think we just approach it from two different angles. I think that's fair. Um, uh, so how do you like? How would you uh, – what, what's a good rating system for this? For Gorgo? Um, <laughs> uh, stolen stolen baby orgas? I can't even say it. <laughs> I can't even say it. How many um, stowaway kids wearing sweaters that look like burlap saps, sacks? <laughs> How many stowaway kids wearing sweaters that look like burlap sacks do you give this out of five? Because that I, um, that's bothered me since that kid's sweater has bothered me since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, it's he the does ugliest that. sweater ever. Uh, I, I think it's a I think it's a solid two. Like it's not it's not Space Godzilla levels of boring. There's enough there that oh you know it, you can definitely go back and rewatch it. Um, but I I can't I can't give it any higher than a two. Come on, man. <laughs> um. I really enjoyed it, and I was thinking about a four, but I think I'm going to go with a three and a half. Oh my gosh, that is that is criminal. What? That is that is criminal. No man, this movie's a classic. The people love it. Steven Spielberg <laughs> loves it. John Carpenter loves it. John Landis loves it. And when those those three men invite me to their home <laughs> to watch Gorgo, on, never going to happen. I I am not never going to happen. invite you and say I'm going to Steven Spielberg's house. And I'll tell him that you said that. I'll say, Steve, my co-host Matt does not deserve the luxury of watching Gorgo with you. And he'll say, you know what? You can tell that Matt to go to hell. <laughs> That's a direct quote from future Steven Spielberg. Oh, sad time. Um, now, now, Gorgo did have, uh, because I mentioned it on the Conga episode, Gorgo did have a post-movie life. In a series of comic books by Charlton Comics, drawn by the great Steve Ditko, co-creator of Spider-Man, one of the best comic book artists ever. Uh, and they have really cool art, and um, they're not hard to find. IDW put them out in a big volume, and uh, you can also peruse the interwebs and see a lot of that stuff. I love Steve Ditko art. I wish he did like a Godzilla comic or something. That would be amazing. And oddly enough, this movie, Reptilicus, and Conga all have novelizations that have very explicit sex scenes in them. That, I, I don't under, I, okay. <laughs> no, it's very strange. I can't explain it. Um, also, this movie did show up on Mystery Science Theater, and it was a pretty decent episode. 
Um, they had Leonard Malton, the famous movie critic, come on and talk about how much he likes the movie. However, Leonard Malton is also the man who gave Batman and Robin a higher star rating than Taxi Driver. So, take that for what you will. But that's Gorgo. Mm. Um, now, the next two movies, Matt... Uh, I knew that there were other parental monsters involved. Because we're going to talk about Gappa next, which is pretty much a remake of Gorgo, only this time the mother and the father show up. And I realized, Matt, that for a Mother's Day episode, only one of these is just focused on the relationship between the mother monster and the child monster. And then I started thinking, you know, I knew going in, that Gappa had a mother and a father monster. But I was like, why didn't that register? Because technically, shouldn't this be just as eligible for a Father's Day episode? And then I realized, Matt, I never had a father growing up. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know I didn't laugh. That's like the best. So I think deep down. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody's think... like, man, Matt's a terrible person. But if you knew, if you knew Bird, like that, that was a, oh my gosh. So deep down. I think that although I knew these movies both had father monsters, (laughs) I honestly think it didn't register for me because when I was a kid, I didn't have a father growing up, so I didn't really celebrate Father's Day. So it's like having a dad. I knew dads existed, and my grandfather was like a father figure, but like I never had a father, so it didn't like always click with me. Like, and so I think that's why. This 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 uh, set of movies made sense to me with Gorgo, um, but my justification for that is that the three of these movies are all virtually the same plot. So I'm not completely out of line. Uh, I just thought that was uh, something to point out, and uh, and uh, it's it's a psycho. This podcast is like a psychoanalysis of me and like my daddy issues. I guess <laughs> I am like laughing, but also. Like, want to cry. <laughs> so, um, um... I'm sorry, Bird. <laughs> so, now that we're no longer psychoanalyzing, uh, you know, me, uh, we can talk about Gappa, the Trifibian monsters. Do you know what a Trifibian monster is? I don't. Oh. I don't either, but I've read that it's a reference to the fact that they can live... They. Well, I guess they can't live in the air, but I guess it's a reference for the fact that they can dwell on land, sea, and air. I see. It's a made-up okay. word, though, I think. Right? That's not a real word. Um, sure. Now, uh, this was released direct-to-TV. Oh, no, it is. Uh, Trifibian means skilled in combat, equally on land, sea, and in the air. Look at that. We're expanding our vocabulary today, also. Um, so, uh, Gappa is 1967, uh, which is the monster boom, Matt. So, 67, you had Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, you had Gamera versus Gauss, you had King Kong Escapes, you had Yongari, it's all coming at you all at once, Ultraman's huge on TV, um, so, uh, it was quite a time. Oh, Gilala, I believe, was also 67. Gilala. Um, or no, Gilala was 68, I'm sorry. But basically, point is, 66 to 68 is probably the biggest kaiju 
ever were in Japan. Um, so uh, this is the only kaiju movie produced by Nikatsu Studios, who are one of the biggest studios in Japan. Um, uh, it was like Toho, Toei, Nikatsu, Shochiku, and Daie. Those are like the big five studios. Um, now, uh, Nikatsu would eventually go bankrupt after slowly turning into a studio making almost exclusively softcore porn. And then it came back in recent years and now is kind of a little bit more of a thing. Um, but this is their only kaiju movie, at least until Death Kappa, um, which, Matt, I'm told you love. Uh, I've not seen it, but I've heard it's not not You good. love it. Um now, uh, this movie, if the, 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 the genesis of this movie isn't cynical, I, I don't know what is. So, Nikatsu were, all, like, in pretty serious financial trouble in 67, and uh, they needed a movie that they could sell internationally. So, of course, monster movies. That's, you need to make money, you make a monster movie or a horror movie of some kind. Um... So they got into the kaiju game with with Gappa just to secure um, government funding. Uh, so the government paid them quite a large sum of money to make this movie. Now Nikatsu, uh, being in trouble, uh, they um, they owned a lot of real estate, like uh, golf courses and hotels and stuff like that. They used the bulk of that money to pay off their debts, um, their real estate debts, and then whatever was left over from that they used to make GAPA. Um, and uh, the screenwriters claim that they have never seen Gorgo. Matt, do you believe these gentlemen? Um, no, not really. I don't... <laughs> They had to have seen Gorgo, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same movie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, with Gappa, um, we have uh, uh, this greedy magazine uh, called Playmate Magazine, which is a science magazine, but it sounds a little more like a <laughs> porn magazine. more like porn, yeah. It does not sound like a, yeah. And for some reason, he wants to get into, like, the theme park business, and he sends some scientists and journalists to islands to collect animals and, and, uh, and maybe even, like, natives. It sounds like whatever he wants to do is kind of racist. It was very racist. <laughs> They're going to have the natives dance around. <laughs> That's what he <laughs> talks about doing in this movie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so of course, they go, and you see the... They're very much like the Infant Island or Faroe Island natives, uh, or the Skull Island natives. They're, they're Japanese people um, in black, hor- horrible blackface. Um and they're like, Gappa angry. And everyone's like, what the hell are they talking about? And then they stumble upon an egg in a cave 
Um, not before running into a ridiculous-looking giant bird. Do you remember the giant bird? Yeah, out of nowhere, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're on this island. Uh, Obelisk Island is called. And um, this egg hatches in a very, like, oddly unnerving scene where, like, the baby <laughs> comes out and, like, it's twitching and it's covered in, like, goo and I guess the baby Gappa is supposed to be cute, but he really looks kind of just deformed and weird and not too cute. Um, and so they cage up the baby, and all the islanders say, Gappa angry, Gappa angry, and then they're like, yeah, whatever, peace out. And then they they bring it to Japan, where it's in like a weird like jail cell, wearing this really kind of strange headgear like this weird helmet where i guess they're monitoring the baby's brain waves for some reason i don't know why they need to monitor its brain waves um and you know we have another uh, we have another stowaway by the way yes we do we, <laughs> yes again again tell the of course just like gorgo the native child the kid on the island that has the islanders warning the people that visit is stowing away well, he's not necessarily a stowaway because, like, there's an eruption when the mom and dad gappas come out and, like, they make it sound like it just, like, killed everybody <laughs> except for this kid who's rescued by an American submarine who – we don't know that until later, but the first time they see it, you just see, a like, a submarine scope and, like, <laughs> someone talking. Like, look at that. And we don't, we never learn what we're looking at or who we're, yeah. who we're, who's talking to us. It's a very strange sequence. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they bring him back to Japan. Uh, I guess the American sub that rescued him is just like, hey, we, we found this kid <laughs> here. And then they leave him there with the scientists. And so... So uh, him and Bo and the uh, the Playmate magazine guy's daughter are both like kind of have a connection with the baby Gappa, just like the kid in Gorgo. Um, and then uh, from there, the 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 mom and dad Gappas come to Japan and tear tear shit up until they they rescue their baby, just like Gorgo. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the finer details of Gappa. Uh, in a moment, also called, um, I might have mentioned this, but released by AAP as Monster from a Prehistoric Planet. Now, you will notice when you watch the movie that the prehistoric planet is Earth. I don't know why it's called <laughs> that, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Matt, had you seen Gappa before this? Uh, no, just parts. Okay. So this is my first time actually watching it from start to finish. Oh, how exciting. What'd you think? Dude, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was glorious. Uh, I mean, it, there's, well, first of all, um, we should probably talk about how sexist some of the dialogue in the dub is. And I don't know if that's, I've never seen this, the sub version, right? Yeah. So we, we watched the terrible pan and scan uh, monster from a prehistoric planet version. Do you remember some of, some of the lines, Bird? <laughs> well, okay, we 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 didn't talk about the human characters yet, and there's a reason for that. It's because the human subplot. I mean, yeah, you have the scientists versus the greedy guys and the military stuff that's in like every kaiju movie, but 
the the human character subplot is is disturbing because you have you have the guy and the girl and they like each other and the girl goes on this expedition and the and the whole time the guy is just like girls don't belong here what are you doing here and and when they're in the cave he even says you know when we get back you need to rethink your life and uh you need to he's like why don't you just marry an office worker uh have babies cook and change diapers <laughs> like women are supposed to that's literal dialogue from this guy's mouth um and uh and she's like oh no you know i i i have ambitions and blah 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 and then um and then uh it comes up again in the middle of the movie and then at the end when they see uh um the the baby and the the parents go off um into the fly off into the sunset um the woman literally says you know i've had a change of heart after all this um you know i'm gonna become an ordinary woman and i'm not gonna work i'm gonna stay home marry an office worker and wash and wash diapers (laughs) that's the literal dialogue so so this character's whole arc is this ambitious woman who's going on these expeditions and through the magic of uh, the Gappa family reuniting, she has decided that she is going to uh, give up any human ambition after seeing the destruction that it's called and just stay home and do what women are supposed to do. Uh, and it's all very unnerving. And, you know, knowing the, the, how women are treated in Japanese society... I hate to say it, but I, I really don't think this is exclusive to the dub whatsoever. Um, I do have <laughs> I do have the uh, Tokyo Shock VHS, which is subtitled, and um, it is present there as well. Um, but I, I'm I, I just I never have the energy to watch VHS anymore. It's not that I don't like VHS as a format. It's just that first of all, I don't trust my VHS player because every tape I've put in there over the last like five years has gotten chewed up. So. I was just like, screw it. I have the Monster from a Prehistoric Planet version. Uh, mine is in the uh, Mill Creek 50 horror movie classics set where, you know, you just get these cheap kind of VHS transfers and like a 50-pack of movies for like 10 bucks. There's a lot of good movies on here, though. But um, So that's what I watched. Uh, but, um, yeah, the the whole human element of the movie is... Like the the cute that is the the arc of these characters is that the girl realizes she shouldn't be ambitious and shouldn't be working and needs to just stay at home and be a you know what society deems a proper woman. <laughs> There's a line in there where uh, it's Itoko is, is the is the woman scientist name. She um the guys like. Uh, you're 22. You should be getting wrinkles. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like, oh my gosh! <laughs> the whole thing is, she's the one character besides the, the 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 child in the film, who's again trying to do the right thing and telling them to basically take the baby Gappa and give the baby Gappa to the parents instead of trying to base the whole the whole push for the for the movie is there's this guy that's trying to make money off this discovery again you know it's it's greed ruling the world and then the monsters come and try to you know save it and the, the kid and this particular woman scientist like they're the ones who are trying to do the right thing 
And then by the end, her character has done and she she's she's stood her ground the entire film. Right. And then she just gives in at the end and says, yeah, I guess you're right the entire time. I'm just going to give up my career. And (laughs) (laughs) what is going on in this movie? Um, Because she she's like the the one character that's doing the thing that you would think most people would want to do in that situation. Even like the other characters that go on the expedition with her, even the ones that seem like they'll be like more on her side, they're just like, oh, this is what the what the boss wants. You know, he we got to <laughs> stick by the boss, and it's like, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> so- it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> so. Um, so one thing I did want to point out. So Akira uh, Watanabe, who was actually, I guess he was part of Toho staff. Yeah, he was uh, Subaraya's uh, art designer. Um, uh, How yeah, did he, you feel about the special effects in this film? Um, well, I I, I, I know what, what, um, Akira Watanabe's work from, you know, the Toho movies and... Um, a lot of other things, you know, he also did the effects work on the green slime. Um, but I, I mean, as part of the Subaraya team, you know, his, his work is wonderful here left to his own devices without, you know, a perfectionist like Subaraya hovering over him. I don't think it's quite as good. Um, but I think some of that is also, and this is something I said on our Gilala episode. I think it might be more with just how the movies, sh- how the how the effects are shot, rather than the craftsmanship behind them. Like I think the the mini, aside from like some of the boats and submarines, which I think are pretty bad. Um, I think the miniature sets and stuff are 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 good. But I think that the movie, like some of Daya's stuff, I think the movie. Uh, was shot by people who didn't quite have the experience or the know-how and how to shoot those scenes. So I think it's just certain angles and stuff make it seem a little more wonky than what I'm used to out of the Toho films. Um, I I really like the Gappa creature designs, but same with the suits. Um, You know, they weren't made the same way that, you know, the Toho and Daiei monster suits were. So, again, there's something that's just kind of off about it but i i don't think they're terrible but i don't think they're great but like i said i also think a lot of that is just the filmmaking and not so much the 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 miniatures or suits themselves (laughs) so did you love when they would like run and like fly off (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the monsters the monsters randomly when they fly they don't really flap their wings they just like their legs kick kick up and the wires like pull them off the ground but, you know, honestly, I, I thought the effect, I mean, for what it was, it, it worked pretty well. <laughs> pretty well. Um, I, I dug the special effects. I thought they were, for the most part, well executed. For I mean, for a movie that's got a very minuscule budget. Uh, I thought it was also kind of weird, though, that this, that, that Gappa had basically Godzilla's, you know, death beam. Literally. Yeah. Doesn't quite match the monster, I, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's weird that the, these monsters even have a beam weapon. It's only used yeah. a couple times, and it never really... I think it is just, you know, Nikatsu wants to kind of cash in on the imagery that people know at this point, you know, from Godzilla and Gamera both having, you know, breath weapons. There, there's some pretty cool, uh, pretty nicely staged dis- destruction sequences. They get attacked by the military a couple times. The they take out some planes. There's a really weird sequence where, like, they're at the bottom of a of a lake, and they use some sort of device to to push them up from the water. And like, as they're coming up, the military's attacking them, and then like the gap is almost drown 
<laughs> that was a, that was a bizarre thing. And then the the tide there's like a tidal wave that they create um, that like takes out the military, all the rocket launchers right there, and kind of saves them. And then like there's a really cool sequence with um, what I think is an oil refinery that that sh- w- was shot pretty well. Yeah, I mean that, that part's that part's cool. Look, the sets are good. Um, like I said, I think it's just sometimes they're shot in a way that is makes it look more like a model than what we're used to. Um, uh, if I have any criticism of the destruction scenes, I don't really like that the two monsters, they just kind of walk through things. They don't do too much and they're always standing right next to each other. Like they're always like, they're like attached at the hip practically. And that, that just feels weird. It's like you have two monsters attacking the city. Do like, uh, you know, like how they do it in like. Rodan or something, where the the two monsters are doing different things. Um, it's just very odd. Um, the yeah, wor- like you could you could have had them like opposite end of the screen, destroying. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah that'd be cool. The wor- the worst effects part is the one you just mentioned, though, where um, uh, they're trying to drive them out of the water. I mentioned like the boats and subs in this movie aren't too great, but like it really does. I hate to use like a cliche phrase, but it really does look like toy boats in a bathtub. Like, <laughs> um, but the buildings look great, uh, and, um, yeah, the oil refinery, those are all great, great miniatures, um, and, and great sets. Um, uh, <laughs> I do think, though, that we should mention the dub, uh, I mean, we already talked about the sexist stuff, which I think is just part of the movie, but the dub, the dub itself is bizarre, Um, I I remember like when you were watching it, you just sent me a message that just said WTF is this dub. And like, that's like the perfect way to describe it. Like, uh, and I, I, and I, I bring that up because I want to talk about my favorite part might even be my favorite part of the movie, but there's a part where, um, uh, the, the bad guy, the guy that, that, uh, is the president of playmate magazine is like sitting around and they're on their way back with the baby Gappa, and he's like, "What? What do they have? What? Like, do you think they even have anything?" Like, he's talking to his assistant, and he's like, "And, the, and he's like, I bet they're just gonna bring me back a burnt lizard." And it's like, <laughs> what? I don't know if they were just trying to like sink the mouth to like words that you know in English would like be feasible for the situation but he's like and then he, he just keeps ranting about burnt lizards he's like i've seen burnt lizards before i don't want a burnt lizard and then he's like and then he just shouts stupid burnt lizard and like throws something and the scene ends and it's such a weird like it's a weird scene i don't know what he's talking about i've i've never seen a burnt lizard have you <laughs> i mean i don't think so uh so I I don't like it, it's full of just bizarro things like that that are really inexplicable. Um, but for a movie like this, where you know the plot and characters are pretty thin, this is one of the cases where like a silly dub like that will in, kind of enhance the enjoyment of the movie, at least for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Which is why I think I like it so much because like. Like if I were watching this and the the lines were word for word, 
in the in the original version what they are in the dub, and it was said with like a straight face. I, I I don't think I would enjoy this movie at all, but because it's like the dub being so stupid, all the rampant like racism and sexism kind of comes <laughs> off as comedy to me, and so it makes everything that much more silly. And then when you combine that with with actually what I think are enjoyable um, effects and some monster designs that I I think are pretty cool. Then like for me, it's it's honestly it was a lot of fun. Like it was a very fun movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of that that man that some of that translated di- dialogue is just plain weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, the dub is the dub is bizarre. Which is again, it's one of those things where if you like these movies, sometimes the dub is part of the charm or or not, depending on <laughs> maybe your taste. I thought the like I was dying laughing at all the sexism in the movie. Not because I think sexism is funny, but like it's just in this context, I thought it was it was like bizarre. It is. See. <laughs> it's weird. Like, it is, it's so it's so bizarre. <laughs> um. And then you have like they're they're trying to convince the the uh, the islanders to come back to Japan. They're like, well, we can we can bring you back with uh, with the monster with with the baby Gappa. You'll be safe on you'll be safe with with. They're trying to get him to dance, and they're trying to convince them convince them to come back with baby Gappa, and tell them that Japan is safe for them. Basically, trying to get them to dance at the theme park. Did you catch that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like oh my god. No, it's truly strange. This is an odd movie. Yeah, this is a weird, weird movie. Uh, and the director uh, Haruyasu Noguchi insisted that this movie is a parody of giant monster movies, and I don't see that at all. <laughs> nothing, I mean, I... <laughs> nothing in this movie felt like I was supposed to laugh at it, and nothing about it seemed to like be like meta. Like no. a parody would. I, I I don't know if he's just trying to make up for the fact that he made a stupid movie or what. But <laughs> uh, if it is a parody, it's a terrible. It's it's a terrible. It's a really bad it, parody. It fails very badly at it. Yeah, um, it's a it's a terrible parody. But uh, it, it is it's a movie that has its charm. Um, I don't know if I would revisit it much, but um, you know, I this is the first time I'd seen it probably in you know, maybe 10, 15 years and, you know, is a, is a little oddity to revisit maybe like every like six to 10 years, you know, it's, it's a fun <laughs> little distraction, I guess. So how many, uh, how burnt, many burnt lizards? It's gotta burnt be lizards? burnt lizards. Yeah. Okay. This, the second that part came on, I was like, I know the rating scale for this movie. It's burnt lizards. Um, um, how many burnt lizards would I give? Well, I yeah. we always say well I always say the rating for a bad movie, but one that is very enjoyable still. Uh, the appropriate rating is a two point five, and I'm gonna go with that. And I, it's not a disrespectful two point five; it's a respectful two point five. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go three. My level of enjoyment for this film is uh much more than it should have been, <laughs> and I admit that, but it. I had such a fun time, like laughing out loud during most of the film that uh, it's it's a solid solid three. Um, I would watch this again. Like I I plan on getting a better copy of this movie because the one that I have is uh, it's terrible. Yeah, unfortunately the the Tokyo Shock DVD is out of print, but you know there's some gray market releases that are. Um, available, and I'm, I'm sure you might be able to find that DVD used cheap sometimes. But you know the these 
kaiju movies tend to get jacked up in price once they go out of print. Um, but no, uh, I, it is a fun movie, and um, this movie and Gilala get kind of talked about together a lot, I think, because they were made they were the only kaiju movies made by two of the other ma- the two other major studios um and as a kid i always f- seemed to remember preferring gilala but um having rewatched Man. both of those within the last few months i i actually much prefer this um gap man gap all the way yeah uh, I like both of those movies, but uh, I, this was much more enjoyable for me, uh, and it didn't drag. I didn't feel it drag the way that I, I did with Gilala. Um, there should be a. F- I should take a moment to dispel some common myths about Gappa. Um, the most bizarre one that I, I found was uh, there was a rumor that the English dub had a line saying originally had a line saying the monsters are attacking Tokyo. Fortunately, they are attacking the Negro section of town, which was then altered to attacking the poor section of town. Uh, (laughs) Not much better, honestly. But uh, uh, (laughs) luckily, luckily, I learned that that is not true, and the dialogue is they're attacking the Nico region. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that Um, makes more sense. So thank God. I mean, if the sexism and mild racism presented in the movie (laughs) wasn't already offensive, that would have taken it way over the top. Um, One thing that I I see very often said is that in the 90s, there was talk of a Gappa versus Gilala movie. And I still see that. I just got a book, great book, but it does say, yeah, this almost happened. But... um, like trying to look into that situation a little more when we recorded a Gulala episode, which hasn't come out as of this recording, but um, I found no real evidence of that aside from uh, like a blurb in G Fan, um, and then uh, Keith Aiken said on a forum that you know that that was not that was just like a fan rumor that was never actually something that was going to happen. And, you know, I, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I, I know Keith, and I, I trust his resources. Um, uh, that would be that would be an interesting movie, Gappa versus Gilala. I would watch it with with much uh, anticipation and joy. But, yeah, I, 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 I believe that, you know, it, it probably wasn't a thing that was going to happen. Um, and lastly, another commonly uh, mistranslated or misreported fact, uh, a lot of people say that Gappa was actually the original design for what became Ultraman, um, which I actually believed up until, like, you know, I was just trying to learn a little bit more about Gappa to give us stuff to talk about. Um, what had happened was Ultraman was uh, a, going to be a series called Bemlar, and Bemlar would be a big bird-like alien thing with wings, uh, and he would be the hero. And uh, the design does look a lot like Gappa, um, but apparently the rumor that it was sold from Tsuburaya to Nikatsu, the design anyway, uh, apparently it just isn't true, and I'm sure someone just noticed the similarity in the design. Um, so... Uh, that concludes the myth-busting segment of of, of our, our Gappa review. Um, but no, it, it's, it's a fun movie, and um, I, think, I really think it's worth checking out. It's probably not something you'll watch a lot, or if ever, again, but it's worth watching at least once. Um, 
And yeah, the dub is just wacky. Um, so moving on to a movie that was not part of the agenda until several days ago. I can't really talk much about why we decided to do this because I don't think we really know. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've been kind of trying to go back and fill some blind spots in my Kaiju and giant monster movie watching. So I'm, I'm trying to get to some things that I missed like, uh, Dim a King, um, and love and peace and a few other movies that just kind of flew under my radar and I never really got to. Um, and so just kind of looking at, at movies that had come out and just, I didn't really pay attention to, um, Back in the, well, really up until the late 90s, which is when this movie was made, um, TV networks did made-for-TV movies, which they still do, but back then they were like a big deal. Like, your Saturday evening movie is uh, going to come out, and it's usually something similar to something that's happening in theaters, or sometimes it'll be like a mini-series. But when the 98 Godzilla movie came out, Fox had a made-for-TV movie called Gargantua, um, written and directed by people that uh, I haven't heard of and neither of you, so we're not going <laughs> to spend too much time on them. <laughs> um, but uh, Gargantua was the big TV event movie um, in 98 that I think it aired a week before the TriStar Godzilla, and you can tell in like looking at the the advertising and the font and the colors used and stuff. It's definitely aping the advertising for that. And when I talk about these TV movies being a big thing, they really were. And when I say that, I mean, um, you know, magazine ads. Uh, When I was a kid, I was a big comic book reader. So I often saw TV movie ads in, uh, in issues of different comic books, billboards. um, You know, they were, they were heavily advertised. They were treated as like a big thing, a big, Hey, get the family, sit in the living room and here's how you're going to spend your Saturday night. Um, I don't know how many people watched Gargantua, probably not many. Well, maybe, maybe so because every now and then the sci-fi channel or chiller will, will show this movie. I saw the end of it on one of those networks a few years ago. So it turns up every now and then. Um, but, uh, the reason I, I, I knew we were doing Gappa and Gorgo and I was like, that's, you know, the same plot for both movies. And then I was like, there was that movie that was trying to to take advantage of Godzilla's popularity that came out, and I know that was kind of another riff on the Gorgo and Gappa storyline, and I've never seen it, so why not give it a shot and talk about it? Uh, and it's probably a good thing that we're talking about it last, because... I don't know how much we have to say about it, and the two, <laughs> the two big movies, the two popular movies we have out of the way, so now we can just kind of bullshit about Gargantua. Um, so, I, have, I have a list of dialogue from the film. That's oh, that's be great, because I didn't, I didn't jot any down, and I don't remember too much of it, but I remember when I was watching it, I was like, this dialogue is amazing. I hope we get to talk about it. Starring Adam Baldwin, uh, who is, he's one of, one of those... I'm doing air quotes, those guy, that guy actors, who when you see him, you're like, oh, it's that guy, and he's just in a bunch of shit. Um, A lot of TV work, a lot of bit parts in movies like Predator 2 and 
Full Metal Jacket. You'll you would know him if you saw him. And then also starring, and this was probably the he's terrible in this movie, but this is probably the biggest delight I had is a very young Emil Hirsch who um, is just, in my opinion, killing it as an actor right now. <laughs> Um, like he was in a, a movie called Killer Joe, which is like a really messed up movie, uh, like neo noir, southern gothic kind of crime movie directed by William Friedkin that I love, and I thought he was great in it. Last year he was in the Autopsy of Jane Doe, which was a really interesting horror movie, and him and Brian Cox play a father and son, and they're, they're they both kill it in that movie. Uh, apparently he like abused someone a woman at a hotel and like dragged her by her hair whatever whatever we're not gonna talk about that um so emile <laughs> hirsch is a, a good actor i think in i think a lot of people that remember the movie would probably remember him as uh he played speed racer in the speed racer film um but no he he went on to become a very good actor um so this is i think uh one of if not his first role uh, it's terrible. And, he's terrible. Yeah, he's he's a very young in this, because um, he he's about my age. So he was probably yeah he was probably like thirteen ish when the twelve thirteen ish when this came out, and uh, yeah there there's no hint of the great Emil Hirsch that uh, you would be used to. Oh, Into the Wild. I don't know how I didn't mention that. Uh, have you seen Into the Wild, Matt? No, I've I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, that's about the guy that just gives up on society and lives in the wild, but he's played by Emil Hirsch and uh that's I think that's the first movie he showed up on my radar on, uh in. But uh you know, anytime he's cast in something, I'm like, okay, he'll be good, but not in this. Um so this is pretty much the same story. There so uh Adam Baldwin's a marine biologist and his son is Emil Hirsch and they go to this island this polynesian island malu yeah which it's which is a very strange place i don't know how much of that was registering with you matt but like apparently the president is like a guy that just like owns a (laughs) bar yeah i thought that was bizarre uh it, it it it's it's a very weird um and, uh, I don't know, I guess they're just studying activity and, and marine life, doing whatever marine biologists, uh, are to do. And, um, uh, the kid stumbles upon a baby lizard creature, I guess a gargantua. They don't call them gargantuas. And they're not giant Frankenstein monsters. <laughs> um, but I guess the baby gargantua creature. And then in the meantime, uh, an adolescent, a bigger gargantua creature. And I never saw the movie before, so I thought this was going to be like the parent monster. But it's not. It's actually like an older brother-sister, an older sibling monster who has an amazing entrance. The best part of the movie, Which the was like, I, it, was, it was transcendent. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's in the evening, and you know there's some kids partying it up, having fun on the beach, and there's these two kids playing volleyball having a great time, and then out of nowhere, you just see these two giant lizard hands grab and crush this volleyball, and then everyone scatters, and there's this giant lizard creature on the beach. And I just thought it was amazing that nobody saw this creature, and it just seemed to have teleported in front of this beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just 
when that happened, I just said, you know what? This movie isn't hasn't been good, and it's probably not going to get better. But that alone makes me happy that I'm watching it. I laughed hysterically when I saw it. <laughs> and the rest that. of the movie is pretty bad, but that scene put me that just that moment put me in such a good mood that I didn't care. I was just like, you know what, movie? I will follow you wherever you decide to take me, whether it's up or down from here. <laughs> and uh the moment it happened, I was like, Matt, I can't wait for you to see this part. Um <laughs> so, I laughed out loud. Oh, so did I. I was yeah, like, was great. I laughed out loud and then I paused it because like I had to like, my brain had to like register <laughs> what I just saw. And, and so after like a couple minutes of being like, okay, I just saw that, um, I resumed and, uh, you know, not to give, uh, too much attention to this amazing beach ball sequence, so, unfortunately, we, we should move on. Uh, anyway, the adolescent creature is captured by these assholes? What are they? Yeah, I don't... The, the, all, you know, all, all I remember is they, they said, oh, we could get a lot of money for this thing. They're, they're trying... So, there's like this band of idiots uh, who are kind of like led by this guy that's only he he's basically from New Zealand which is <laughs> there's like this throwaway piece of dialogue about him being from New Zealand and not belonging there which is hilarious cuz the guy saying it's black and I'm like oh okay this is like the reverse racism thing and it's setting him up to almost be like a good guy sort of and then he becomes like the villain it was bizarre <laughs> um but yeah there's this guy from New Zealand and he's trying to take the uh the baby gargantua and he's trying to convince the islanders to, to like charge money for people to come see him and when that doesn't work and the the older one shows up well he's like well we're just gonna go after that one instead and so they hunt him down they shoot him with like a a tranquilizer dart i don't know what what the hell was that i don't <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh they wound the they wound the the adolescent though who ends up like beached in this like crevasse um or like cavern i don't what 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 was it exactly so rock formation or something yeah it's i don't know what i don't know where they were um but yeah they're they're trying to basically just make money by capturing it and like i guess setting up a a gorgo thing yeah (laughs) so they're probably gonna sell it to like the playmate magazine guy yeah exactly um and so uh then the mother shows up and attacks the village and uh then the mother ends up getting killed and then the dad starts going ape shit and then we get to the finale where uh, same finale as other movies they reunite the damn monster and the kid um <laughs> and then and that's gargantua yeah. uh so clearly we neither of us really liked this movie but there were there were moments that made it enjoyable like the beach ball moment and uh and the dialogue which I'll let you get to in a minute. But I and I said this a few times. I think the biggest surprise for me is it like I know it's a TV movie. I know it doesn't have the but I 1998. I know it had probably like a 16th of the budget of of Godzilla. But like I was honestly stunned at how bad the effects were. And the CG, I knew, I figured the CG would be bad. But the practical effects, I thought the the creature effects in both Gorgo and Gappa, I, which were 30-plus years before this, I thought were honestly better. 
Like they they were just so stiff and so rubbery and lifeless. Yeah. Like it, it it was like they were just playing with big dolls almost. The uh, the baby the the smallest gargantua prop was the best, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah, I thought it's the only one that like seems to move. Yeah, and uh, it 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 has like a weird like Pokemon kind of thing, kind of like the baby Iris and Gamera three does, but uh, it's still a very stiff kind of like. I don't know, man. I don't. I just. I don't know that I've seen practical creature effects from this era that were that bad. Like, and I've watched like the Carnosaur movies. Like, I've seen. Oh all, man! Like, yeah, I've Carnosaur's seen all bad. kinds of bullshit B movies, and these were exceptionally bad. Um, and the fact that Gorgo and Gappa put it to shame is like embarrassing for poor Gargantua, but. <laughs> I thought they tried to frame some of the shots. Interest, like they they had some overhead shots and and stuff like from above the props. So they tried to do interesting things. Oh, one thing we forgot to point out: uh, when the mother dies, like the dad comes and like takes the body away. <laughs> it's like what's going on with that? I yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it comes and drags the body away, like was, pretty unceremoniously too. Like, a, like what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah, special effects were, were pretty terrible. I don't think there's any argument about that. The CGI, CGI from this era, like early 90s, sorry, late 90s CG, when like CG was just kind of coming into its infancy. And especially for low budget CG, it's just, it's always bad. Yeah. I I don't, Uh, as far as the dialogue goes, well, first, did you notice when the kid, so there's a scene in the movie where when the kid like finds a, for some reason, half open pocket knife. In, 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 the, in yeah. the ocean, <laughs> yeah, he, he, like, he picks it up by the blade and cuts himself. And he has to get a, a tetanus shot, right? And so that comes in. The, the, they introduce us into the uh, hot nurse trope, right? But did you see how big the needle was that she was giving him the tetanus shot with? Like it was the size of his arm. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think they like knew like. Like, is she trying to kill him? I don't – it was it was massive. Um, my favorite line in the entire movie is when, like, the <laughs> – well, first, Emil Hirsch's character, we learn that his mother is uh, is, is dead. And, like, he's – like, there's this one sequence in the movie where he's walking on the beach. He sees a mother playing with her child, and he just, like – this sad music suddenly comes on out of nowhere, and he, like, <laughs> just, like, looks at the ground – and then later on, he's like, my mother's dead, and he's just screaming. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 like I said, uh, well, that's the thing, like, because the, mo- the mother monster dies, and then it becomes, like, the dad getting reunited. And when I was watching that, I was thinking, like, well, I mean, I hadn't seen it, so I didn't know that was going to happen. I just knew it was another – I just remember when it came out, everyone was like, oh, this, this is, is a terrible thing. Mother's Day movie. What, what is wrong well, with you? Well, hold on. Bird? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify that in a minute. But I, I was like, oh, I know it's just a <laughs> – I, I heard it was just a ripoff of Gorgo. So that's why, why we, we added it in. But like – but the given how much they talk about how this kid's like messed up because he doesn't have a mom, I was like, okay, this is like actually driving the the – this the character and it's like being used for the justification as to why this kid is so like dumb <laughs> and then and then you know they they they, they kind of insinuate like you know that he's protective of of the baby creature because uh if anything happens to him he'll grow up without 
you know, a parent, like, how he's growing up without a mom, and, uh, you know, he's always kind of hanging the mother's death over his dad's head, so I was like, okay, this this is a movie where, where the mother figure is important, it's just not always seen, so... So it, it's not too out of uh, out of the element here. Uh, well, the worst line in the movie, by the way, is uh, <laughs> somebody's like, "They say when man has power over nature, nature is usually the big loser." I'm like, "That's that's never that's never how that no, goes." I, I remember that part, and they, people never say that. It's like, what's going? Nobody says that except what? for like. Oh man! Like those I, those crazy like creationists that are like man is the dominates over everything. Like those guys maybe, but like I feel like no, I've never heard anyone say that nature like loses. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that in my life. We're gonna control this volcano. It's gonna go really well. Uh, all right. <laughs> like i don't know the the whole thing about monster movies in general is like uh the the monsters and man don't mix and we lose right <laughs> <laughs> like that's the whole point um but yeah that was the worst line in the movie the the, the dialogue and unfortunately for emil hirsch like his acting is like my mom is dead and it's just so bad do you have any other lines for me, or is that is that the, the that one? was that was pretty much okay. it? Like, there's just no other really good ones except my, for like my the. Is, uh, I can't remember the ex- I can't remember it word for word. I didn't like I didn't jot it down. Like so, but I'll, I'll try my best. But um, like when he starts bonding with the monster, he's eating a box of cheese balls, and like you know he he's trying to get the monster to eat, so he he feeds it, and so the monster, like most people, including myself forms a uh, a liking of cheese balls so like you know when, <laughs> oh, I, I remember this line <laughs> so so what you know when you see the kid and the monster hanging mm-hmm. out they're usually sitting there snacking on cheese balls and then like uh he had kept the the baby monster a secret from the his dad for so long because he overheard the dad say you know if any more of these things were discovered you know they would end up getting killed and it's like oh i don't want the baby to be killed and then when when he does admit to the dad that he does know of and has like been hanging out with the baby monster he's like there's a baby he likes cheese balls (laughs) (laughs) i was just like what's happening in this uh it was a weirder it, it was a weirder movie than i thought i was gonna get i Figured it would be bad, but it was it just it was just very strange. It was like it was, it's like it was designed by people from another planet who were told to like make a monster movie that would appeal to humans. Yeah, it's not it's not good. It's like it came in from <laughs> another dimension or something. Um, <sighs> Uh, but yeah, the, the like I re- this movie I remember when it, it was like gonna be aired, and I remember the commercials. Um, there was a novelization at some point, uh, which like I was looking at reviews of this, and there's actually people out there that are like comparing the movie to the novelization, and they're like, "Well, the novelization is is quite a bit better, you know. You should read the book." It's like no one, ain't no one gonna read this. Um, there were toys made as well, so like. Uh, and, um, I first found that out, I think, yeah, Club Tokyo has, like, the toys on there, like, if you look at, I like, forgot there are the toys, yeah. Yeah, if you look at, like, the kaiju toys, and, like, you can look it up by, like, character, if you look up, like, Gargantua, it'll, it'll 
bring up the the toys on Club Tokyo. But uh, but yeah, and and then like looking back, this is one of the one of if not the last like actual like really hyped event tv movies that i remember and it kind of made me feel nostalgic for that because like growing up it was always just part of like something you were around whether you saw the ads on tv or in comic books it was like there was always like a big tv movie on and now it's like no so it almost made me kind of miss that environment even though you know this movie in particular is isn't very good but uh um but yeah, man, that's uh, that's that's gargantua. Yeah. So how many uh, dead mothers <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna rate this film? I would give it. Well, you know what? I'm gonna change it to popped beach balls. And oh, okay. Yeah. I would give it. Dead mothers <laughs> is a good one, though. Uh, <laughs> I would give it. Um, Normally, I would say a one, but the beach ball sequence took me by such crazy, delightful surprise that I'm going to go with a one and a half. Just for that beach ball part, I loved so much, it's getting an extra half. That's how great it was. Oh, man. I will never watch it again. I will make yeah, that Yeah, like, I have a hard time... Unless that beach ball clip is on YouTube. In that case, I'll watch that clip, like, at least once a week. Yeah, for, forgive me for the dead mother comment, all the mothers listening, especially... Uh, oh, yeah, that's own. a terrible rating for this. <laughs> no, I didn't think that through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also go with the beach balls and, and try to save face. Uh, forgive me. Um, so let's let's do... I always kind of like I think of my lowest rated films on here and like Shin Godzilla was a point five. So this this is worse than Shin Godzilla. Uh, Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go I'm going to go a point two five, which is my lowest rating ever. I think is that lower than like Ape and the Mighty Gorgo, though? Dude, I like I like Ape and the Mighty Gorgo more than this. I think they're on par with each other. We'll put it that way. Okay. Okay. All right. It's just, it's a bad. I would never watch this again. Like oh, I, yeah, I would no, have to be. Either. It would have to be in the company of friends, and we're all just like. Yeah, I, I would. I would watch it. it. I would watch it if I was having like a shitty movie night with my friends and stuff. Like I, I would easily watch it again in that environment. But it, it's not something like that I'm ever gonna go back to. And you know, even Gappa, I said, you know, it's not a movie I'm gonna go back to often. But I will watch it again throughout my life. You know, and I and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. But yeah. The, <clears throat> I have no desire to to see this movie again unless someone's like, "Hey, what's a what's a crappy monster movie we can kind of just throw on in the background and laugh at?" You know, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's actually a one, but that that beach ball part was transcendent for me, so that's why I'm giving it a one. There. Yeah, you know, upon upon uh, further reflection, I think I'm going to go point seven five because of that scene alone. It's great. <laughs> Dude, it really is. It's great. I never thought I would see a giant monster reveal where the monster catches a beach ball and crushes it and, and pops it. And, and we're not doing it any justice uh, explaining it. Like, you have to experience this sequence. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I was like, it, it just came at a moment with where the rest of the movie was so formulaic 
and so derivative of you know Gorgo and all these other movies and it was just it was just like I've seen this a hundred times done better I don't need to see it again and then like right as those thoughts were going through my mind where like I was like I'm starting to get bored then that happened and I was like whoa okay I'm I'm back I'm back in <laughs> that is correct and it was such like a tonal shift too from like everything was very straight faced and serious to uh <laughs> just bizarre yeah uh it's 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 another weird movie man uh and um for me part of the fun of doing this podcast is going and looking at these like forgotten obscure movies that are just like just forgotten and lost in the the vast you know space of time and being like whoa what what was what is that so i i don't know i'm i'm not mad that i watched it uh but i'll easily never feel like watching it again um so yeah uh that's our um our 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 kaiju mom's and you know we we gave a lot of shout out to not only our own uh mothers but also you know uh the other the other monster movie moms out there you know Mothra um the T-Rex in the Lost World you know we, there's a lot of them out there and um uh and I'm sure there'll be more uh Godzilla even though he's not a mom but he definitely has cribbed from the Gorgo formula. Um, so yeah, any, anything else, else you got to say about mothers or any of these movies or, uh, or, uh, or, or monster moms in particular? Uh, moms are awesome. We love you. We wouldn't be here without you. It's true. And, uh, my wife is awesome and she, she puts up with, with all this crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and she's also mother. So yeah. In fact, I should mention, like, when I get the podcast, she's usually, I mean, she's always, not usually, she's always the one putting Lane into bed and uh, making sure that he doesn't come down here and, you know, start saying hi on the podcast, which he would be sure to do because that's what kids do. So she has, so she is contributing to uh, to our, our our productiveness. Oh, you know what other, other line, I before we head out, I got to circle back to Gappa because we forgot another great line in the dub. Is when like the the native chief or whatever walks up to the the explorers and he just goes, "Are you Japan people?" Oh yes, that was great. I forgot about that. And they keep saying Japan people from like that point on. I'm like, what is going on in this movie? Uh Japan people. <laughs> so no, that that dub's wild. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, that's all we got, I guess. Um, Happy uh, racist and sexist Mother's Day, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Give your mom lots of hugs. Uh, whatever you do, you know, whether you take her out to dinner or get her a present, but appreciate your mamas. And is... um, uh, look up the Mr. T mother song on YouTube. And maybe <laughs> maybe show it to your mom as well. Well, I don't know about that, but it's awesome. Anyway... Uh, yeah, I guess we can head out now. Are you ready to head out of here? Yeah, man. Until next time. All right. Later, everybody. <laughs>